one. There it is. All right, we're back for another fun one. And I'm super excited. Uh, not only do we have yet another awesome therapist, but this one brought her partner. So we're going to get to talk about all kinds of fun stuff. Tune in. Have fun. Here we go. Practicing polyamory. Real life perspectives from the imperfect people of polyamory. The mission of the Practicing Polyamory podcast is to provide a platform for all of the real-life flawed humans that practice polyamory so that we might all learn from one another and grow as a community. Enjoy the show. All right, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this beautiful, finally sunny again here in San Diego. Uh, before we jump in and chat with our awesome guests, I want to quickly remind everybody uh, to please follow the show on your favorite social media. Follow us on all the social medias, in fact. Uh, and you can find us everywhere at Practicing Poly A. If you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, any other podcast app, please subscribe and leave a review wherever it is that you're downloading. Uh, and if you want to support the show, there's a super easy way. You're already paying for your insurance. Why not work with a Polyam insurance guy? That's me. Send me a DM on your favorite social media at Practicing Poly A. Talk to me about your malpractice or errors in emissions insurance. Would love to help you out. And as always, I want to remind those of you listening, if you are listening to this podcast, you are a welcome guest to be on the show. If you're actively polyam, polyam curious, or a professional serving the polyamorous community, we want to hear your story. If you are disabled, BIPOC, pan, bi, demi, gay, straight, sex worker, kinkster, queer, lesbian, trans, NB, arrow, ace, whatever it is, we want to hear your story. The more stories we hear, the more the world learned about us, the more representation we have the better we can serve our community. So go to practicingpolyamory.com and sign up today. All right, that's my everyday spiel. And now to the best part, introducing our guest. Our guest today has an absolutely remarkable story that I can't wait to share with y'all. After a year of soul-crushing, dreadful office work at 25 years old, our guest was looking for meaningful purpose. And that's when she discovered childcare collectives. Groups of people who come together to provide childcare for one another as a way to empower and support their community. Our guest founded her own childcare selective and got involved with other charitable organizations such as Food Not Bombs, and she learned that giving back to the community is what feels most fulfilling for her. Our guest founded her... Uh, as exciting as important as that work is, she knew that she needed to do more to support her aging grandparents and young sibling. It was important to our guest to continue to give to her community, though, and she found the best way she could do that was through providing counseling services. So here she is, providing therapy that is sex-positive, trans-friendly, affirming of polyamory while caring deeply about her clients who fit those descriptors. Joining us today out of Atlanta, Georgia with her partner. Welcome to the show, Amariah, Love, and Patrick. Dancing. Thank you. Of course, of course. So thank you so much for uh, making some time, hanging out with me today. Um, I guess let's start off. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, I mean, awesome story. First of all, you started the, these these collectives. You've been involved in charitable work. Uh, all of these things that you that you've done in the past, uh, and that's kind of where 
it seemed like uh, when I when I was reading about you and, and, and doing this little bit of research, I was like, you know what? This is a good topic. We'd, we're talking about giving back and providing things to our community. So um, before we get to that, just tell me a little bit about yourself uh, and the your 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 journey, I guess, into polyamory through all of these things that you that you went through. Where did you discover it and how did that enter your life? Well, polyamory um, began way before I started becoming more active in like grassroots organizing. Um, gosh, I think I was 18 when I realized that I was polyamorous. I didn't even know that there was a word for it at the mm -hmm. time. I just had kind of one of those aha moments um, that ended up just like defining me for the rest of my life. And I was, uh, <laughs> with um i was just like hanging out with this dude that i was like having a really casual sexual relationship with and i started like talking about another date i'd been on or something and um he i mean we weren't anything like official and he was kind of an asshole anyway and like so nothing that he said would have had any bearing on my life whatsoever but he expressed like this tiniest amount of jealousy he was like i, I don't want to hear you talk about other dudes and it just hit me all of a sudden, like the idea of anybody telling me who I like can sleep with, can date, any of those things is absolutely reprehensible. Like mm. I feel like I'd be um, in a prison in a relationship like that, and I just kind of knew that I I wasn't monogamous right then. And I asked, and I honestly have no idea when I learned the word polyamorous, <laughs> but I don't remember when. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. We have laugh tracks. We have laugh tracks. I, I love it. So, uh, Patrick, tell me a little bit about, about yourself. Um, when did you and Amariah meet? And um, what was your journey into polyamory? Um, so we, I mean, we actually were Facebook friends for, what, like a year? Damn. Something like that before we ever actually went on date or talked in person or anything on those lines. It was kind of a mutual friend. I had a, an ex um, who... Uh, they were a metamor with Amariah for a very long time. Um, and me and that ex had a really, really nasty breakup. And we went on a date two weeks later. Uh, so, um, I didn't know they had broken up at the time. Nope. <laughs> that was our first date was talking through all of that. So gotcha, I gotcha. recommend dating a therapist. It's nice. Um, <laughs> no, I, my journey uh, into poly, it's like I remember reading um, some books with poly practices in them just you know, like urban fantasy books when I was like 13, 14, et cetera. And there being poly um, examples in them and just thinking, oh my God, that, that sounds awesome, but it's not like a real world thing. So mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. not on the back table uh, until I was um, uh, 25 and was just getting out of a, my first uh, relationship with a man. And we started to, you know, talk about what would it look like opening up? And I realized, no, I just don't actually want to be in this relationship, but I do want open relationships. That's what I want, actually. <laughs> so mm -hmm. kind of slowly figuring out what that looked like for me in the next couple of relationships. And yeah, here we are. <laughs> and yeah, here we are. 30 years now, something like that. How long has it been for the two of you? I mean, uh, just for for you as 18, how long ago was it for you, Patrick? Um, I was 25 when I first got into my first like open relationship uh, ethical non-monogamy. And so that's been six years now. Nice, nice. So a lot of exploring, a lot of learning. Um, and when the two of you got together, you were coming off of a breakup. And I mean, 
I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw it out there. I'm sure somebody's thinking it right. Like rebound alert? Did that did that kind of like <laughs> w- w- was that a thing in your head? And and how did you approach yeah. that? Yeah, that was something that we were talking about um, literally within the first like three or four hours. Yeah. Of, like yeah, that we were both coming off of breakups, and it was like okay. oh, this, this is probably a bad idea. Like let's take things slow. And then we just had <laughs> such a connection. Yeah. Like we ended up. Uh, it was like three dates in a row. Um, and we ended up talking it for like six hours each time, staying up till like 3 a.m., just could not stop. <laughs> uh, and I was like, okay, so there's something here. <laughs> yeah, we were both like, let's do the smart thing and not be each other's rebounds and like take this slowly. And mm-hmm. that just did not happen. That's not what happened. Like, <laughs> we also, we also both are fans of just like letting relationships happen the way that they're going to happen. So yes, we did did that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, my question um, as a therapist, right. We know that the mechanic has the worst car, right. I had a lawyer on who was like, Oh yeah, I I should do everything that I tell my clients to do, but you know, I'm (laughs) not as well protected legally as I should be. So as a therapist going into a situation like this, like what was your, what was your, your therapist brain telling you and what was your heart telling you? Mm. I'm trying to, it's only been like a little over two years and it feels like such a long, much longer time because our second Well, to be, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) To be fair. I heard this. I heard this from my partner. She said, uh, one COVID year is equal to seven regular years. So, oh, yeah. I've been saying two. Um, anyway, I don't think I think my therapist brain was the same as my like Amri like like my rational Amri brain. Just like um, somebody, we both just had our hearts broken, and it's important to be like kind of cautious, um, but also not to cut myself off of any possibility of anything just because I've been hurt recently mm-hmm. um, and I'm and I, and I feel like I listen to both parts of myself um pretty equally and ended up making the right choice so far so good that's awesome um that's great no it's um it's interesting you know I, it, when like I said when you when you think about it from this perspective of you know I you have all of this training as a therapist and i wonder how that intersects with your life you know there's you you cannot take yourself completely out of your work nor can you take your work out of your life can you talk to me a little bit about some of that intersectionality some of the ways that maybe your uh personal life and professional life kind of merge and blur the lines there's there are so many. Um, well, one that like immediately comes to mind is the fact that like when you are kind of a part of all of these different communities, the kink, poly, burner, um, you know, flow community, um, queer communities, uh, they have a lot of overlapping and intersecting, um, you know, specifically in, in Atlanta, which is where I live and work. And um, I find, you know, not infrequently that I have to, like, sometimes I have to refer people out because, like, we've been friends on Facebook for too long. Or, like, mm-hmm. we've been on friends on Facebook at all. Or, like, we have too many friends in common. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I had a, uh, like, and I know, I know that, um, I know several other therapists, like, especially um, folks who work in the kink community, which is just, like, I think even smaller. Um, <clears throat> there, uh, and I know some therapists who, like, won't go to things like Frolicon mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. or, like, 1763 uh, because there's the risk of, like, seeing clients there. I've seen a client at um, a kink convention before. Yeah. Um, saw my therapist there. <laughs> yeah. So like you have to have these conversations with clients. Um, uh, uh, like usually, absolutely in the first session, if I ever think there's going to be any kind of social intersection, we talk about um, how what that means, how they feel about that, like what the protocol is for if we run into each other in public. Um, so there's that aspect. Um, and then there's also like, there's just the like, you know, after I've spent a day um, being a therapist, I am usually pretty emotionally spent, especially like during the pandemic. Um, my work has taken most most of the pandemic. My work has taken every single bit of energy that I've had. So like after a, a work day, I have nothing in me, and or I want to talk to Patrick, who's the only person I've been quarantining with, about like all the crazy shit that just happened. <laughs> 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 He usually has about 15 minutes of being able to listen to me talk about therapy before he's like, okay, hun, now, now my spoons are gone. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's that too. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. We, I was going to say, ironically enough, it was uh, probably three years ago, three and a half years ago, something like that. Um, my partner at the time and me were looking for a uh, couples therapist and she was like in the name, the top three. Mm -hmm. And I asked my my um, my other girlfriend at the time, like, hey, you know, do you have any recommendations? And, um, you know, she I'm very thankful for this, even though it was a, <laughs> a really nasty thing to do. She was like, oh, don't go to Amariah. She's a crazy person. Wow. Um, and this was the, the <laughs> metamor. And I'm thankful that I didn't go to Amariah because then, you know, we would never have been able to date. But right. turns out, you know, that ex, um, you know, has some uh, mental stability, <laughs> so didn't really take her at her word later. <laughs> yes, I'm glad that you didn't. It was very sad. I was sad to hear that. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm also glad that he didn't see me as a client because, yeah, then we never would have been able to date. So. It worked out. It totally worked out. Mm -hmm. I, there is like a, a time limit, right? Like after two years or four years or something like that. But there's, there's probably... A basically the I think our code of ethics says like you can kind of be friends with somebody you can consider being friends with somebody after five years um but you it's never okay to enter into any kind of romantic uh, or sexual relationship got it. with a client it's just got it got it yeah too much of a power dynamic yeah. issue there mm -hmm. yeah makes perfect sense now Patrick you, you mentioned that you actually ran into your therapist at uh, some kind of a was it was it a kink convention yeah. or something like that? Okay, yeah. so and I want to hear eagle. Like, I mean, <laughs> I, I've seen my therapist all over the place. <laughs> so, so Amariah, uh, uh, you mentioned that there's like a protocol that you talk about. Patrick, did did you have that protocol conversation? And how did that? How does it go when you run into your therapist out in town like that? Yeah, for me, it was. Um... It was only, it was a little bit weird just because when I see somebody in public that I know, I want to be like, oh, hey, how's it going? You know, mm -hmm. and there to be some kind of camaraderie there. Um, my therapist at the time kind of protocol that we had decided on um, was to just say like, hey, like, oh, obviously we know each other. Um, 
and they um, basically just let me set the um, the speed of the conversation, or you know, I could say how I know them, et cetera, but that they wouldn't bring anything up, right? Um, the only reason why that was at all weird was uh, at Frolicon, this convention that we were at, you know, past them in the hall, um, you know, just brief little intersection of, oh, oh, hey, uh, you know, didn't see you there kind of moment. And, mm -hmm. was, you know, hadn't seen them as a therapist for probably six months. It had been a while, would have been nice to catch up, but like, eh, we were running past each other. So Got it, got it. So no, not a huge interaction and you just kind of mm -hmm. let it, let it play itself out. Yeah, nothing, nothing crazy. Uh, Amariah, what about you? If you have uh, that conversation with your patients, what what do you tell them? Um, that's what uh, his therapist does is like pretty much across the board, ethically what you're supposed to do. Um, when you, you say like, if we see each other in public, you the client gets to set the pace. Like um, generally, I won't even acknowledge that I know them until they acknowledge me first because it's mm -hmm. technically a breach of confidentiality um, to like let anybody know that they know mm -hmm. me um, and then like if they want to introduce me or say how they know me they can but otherwise I'll just like I'll acknowledge them if they acknowledge me if they say hi I'll say hi like it's the exactly what he described um, that's how you uh, protect confidentiality for clients mm -hmm. yeah got it that that makes perfect sense. And so if, if they don't say hi, then you just ignore them. Like they're not even in the room. Yep. I like it. 60% of the time it works every time. <laughs> <laughs> well was, done. Um, well played. I had, a, I had one, I saw, I saw a client one time at Frolicana as well. Mm -hmm. And like the reason that it was a little, I was worried it was going to be weird. I knew that they were going to be there. And uh, a Frolicon is a kink convention. Um, and I was like in, I don't know, like a mini skirt and a bra, you know, like I was not wearing a whole lot of clothing. <laughs> and um, they like, they like waved at me and I waved back and that was it. It was fine. Um, and I, uh, just because of the, the kind of like the clients that I work with are so many of them are in the cute community in the poly community. Most of almost all of them are queer. Um, I've never had a client like have any issue with running into me at a burn, you know, topless <laughs> or like at a kink convention. Like it, they just, they actually prefer to have a therapist who is like in their communities um, mm -hmm. and like involved in the things that they're involved in. Like no, there's not like a whole bunch of vocabulary they have to explain to right. me. Um, so yeah, it's not really been a problem. Yeah. It's, it's more than, um, more than just an understanding. It's like, it's, it's a real, how do I say it, it's more than just knowing the terminology. Like you, like you were saying, it's really a deeper understanding. Like you're, you're part of it. Um, but that, and that doesn't change their, their view of you. You know, if they see you, like you said, topless or whatever, <laughs> the next time that they see you, is it awkward? <laughs> um, when that's happened? No. Uh, and that hasn't happened many times. I just, to be clear, um, <laughs> I do try to avoid, like, if I see a client out of the corner of my eye at, at a burn and I'm topless, I will go the other way. Like, I, I try to avoid that. Um, but no. I'm sorry, what was the question? No, that was, that was it. That was it. Okay. It doesn't, doesn't make it awkward. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. Just go the other way. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. Avoid that. I love I it. I love it. Um, so we started talking about, you know, all these different 
organizations that you were involved with, all of these ways that you were giving back. Uh, one of the big ways that you give back now is by providing, you know, these counseling services, therapy services. Um, I imagine that that it's super rewarding. Uh, do you do any other uh, or are you involved in any other organizations? Do you still do other other charitable things? Right now, um, actually, I just I just resigned from uh, the the one kind of role that I, I did have um, in the burn community. But since I, um, especially since the pandemic, uh, I have not really had much extra energy for anything. Yeah, um, we. I was going to say my um, my boyfriend has been starting to work <laughs> with um, with her and with my uh, my friend Ryan on a couple of things and you know we have some projects that are kind of like in the fire um kind of working uh whether or not they will you know pan out and whatnot and one of them is um you know the love card program right which hopefully will get bigger as time goes on yeah oh, what is that I, yeah, I hope it does um well actually his his partner, his partner whose name is also patrick um, it's not weird at all <laughs> no, no, Patrick and Patrick, okay. It's a brilliant and creative um, and uh, really, really talented at marketing. Um, mm -hmm. And I was uh, kind of lamenting about how my income had gone down pretty significantly because I had, like, I couldn't work as much during the pandemic um, just because uh, my capacity for work went down so much. Like if I try, I tried to work as much as I was before and I was having like regular um, mental breakdowns. So I was like, I have to reduce mm -hmm. my hours. And I have a lot of clients who I see um, on a sliding scale, right? So I try to um, like accessibility of mental health care is really important to me. So I try to have as many people as I can with reduced fees. Um, and I wanted to continue that, but seeing, you know, almost not much more like 60 percent i'd say of how many people i was able to see before like um, my capacity for sliding scale was going down um and then i was but i was having clients like their financial situations were getting worse during the mm -hmm. pandemic mm -hmm. of course yeah. like, so they needed like more help um and i was having like i was finding myself in a position to be able to give less and less help um anyway so i was talking to uh pat the patricks about this and um he came up with this idea just like in five seconds because that's that's what he does and he it like came to my yeah he came to uh my place came over the next day and like made it happen on the computer um basically it's a, a gift card um that's like embedded into my um website it's like called the, called the love card program and anybody can go on there and like buy love cards um to contribute to if they want to contribute specifically to somebody that they care about um to their therapy like to subsidize their therapy or just like a general pool um for sliding scale clients and um i also had so i had a sizable donation and was able i am still able to have only like I still have a little bit of that left uh every one of my sliding scale clients i was able to subsidize their um their fees for the next like god like six months or something it's been it's been, it's been about that long yeah that's amazing yeah. i think the, the like the long-term plan theoretically mm -hmm. if it was able to grow and what i would be to open it up i know there's a, there's a lovely program that the, the name is escaping me that is for um black women to be able to have funded therapy right yeah. 
And it's, nice. it's awesome. it got out, I think, from a, a Kickstarter or something on those lines from someone's birthday. Um, and I think the long-term plan would be something on those lines for this mm -hmm. program to kind of open it up to queer individuals to be able to get more funded therapy. That's the hope is like, mm -hmm. I would love for it to just be um, one giant pool um, and, and some kind of, non I think the other one is a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. uh, and they have it so that like, if you're a black woman, you just like call this organization, tell them who your therapist is and like they get your, they subsidize your therapy. And I, that's, I would really love to do that um, for queer folks. So we are, we do have a couple of projects like in kind of like, in the works to try to fund that um but it's uh you know little things moving kind of yeah. slowly because we're all <laughs> tired we're all tired <laughs> it's it's coming to an end you know i mean it's mm -hmm. uh we're seeing more and more vaccinations and you know slowly here out here in california things are, are really starting to open up so um you know fingers crossed july that's yeah. you know that's what they that's what they were aiming for. So hopefully, hopefully we'll get get back to rolling, get back to doing all the all the things that we were doing before. Um, let's see what else fun, fun things. Uh, what are what are some of the I don't know, some of some of you. I'm like trying to think, do I go favorite or do I go struggles? Like, uh, <laughs> it's like, what are, what are some of your favorite things? What are, what are some of the biggest struggles? I think struggles are probably more. Uh, easier for people to to relate with you know um maybe maybe uh you know what patrick i'll i'll, I'll pick on you a little bit uh as as a as a bisexual man do you ever feel like there's any kind of stigma within the community or anything like that do you ever experience any kind of um uh uh what's what's the word that i'm looking for why am I not thinking right now? <laughs> What's that? Bi-erasure, perhaps? I said bi-erasure. Bi-erasure, bi yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, Anything massively. Like that. Oh, yeah, massively so. Um, Tell so me about I, it. Yeah, I played um, gay rugby for, oh, three or four years, something like that. It's inclusive rugby is another name for it. And it was an amazing <laughs> experience, great. And it was kind of like my first um, queer community in Atlanta um, after I moved back from New York. But I remember even literally the first party it was a Christmas party that I was um, I met any of the, the guys from the team at just random occurrence date brought me um, and oh, tends, turns out to be a rugby party. I remember at that party, first time I meet any of them, uh, there was a joke that was made of like, oh, don't you just love it? You know, like there's a, a guy says that he's bi, but really he just needs a good hard dickin. And, and everybody's laughing. Oh, that's so funny. I'm like, <laughs> I'm bi. You know, like Aww. it's just yeah. from the get go, it's just kind of ingrained in a lot of um, gay male culture, specifically cis gay male yeah. culture. Um, and it kind of it's it's all over the community as well, not just on that side. Um, I remember so like my last relationship, she told me um, that if I were to ever have a serious boyfriend, um, that like there's never going to be, and this is kind of a little bit of a quote, there's never going to be a woman that you're ever going to date who's going to be okay with you. Um, not using condoms with a boyfriend. I was like, mm. oh, okay, that's cool, 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 cool. <laughs> like, there's there's so much stigma that is associated with men having sex with men and risk factors and, and everything on those lines that I think gets elevated a lot more than if you're talking just strictly. And what know, constitutes safe sex? Yeah, what even constitutes straight, like safe sex is 
kind of a little bit loaded, I would say. <laughs> I would love to kind of learn a little bit more. Uh, I consider myself a little uneducated in this space. So uh, could you kind of expound on that a little bit? Give me some more information. Like what are, what are some of those topics that, that, uh, you know, the, the safer sex um, specifically, yeah. what, what are the conversations that are happening and what, what should we be? I don't know how to say it. Like, what are they saying and why, why is it not true? No, that's a good question. Um, so I would say what you think of as like safe sex, I think the conversation really just needs to be shifted more towards the idea of risk mitigation and what are your risk factors and kind of trying to quantify that and deciding for yourself what is a risk factor that I'm okay with, that I'm happy with, et cetera, and that being a discussion with your partners. And so like, admittedly, the idea of having um, like a rule or, or a labor relationship agreement that um, is, okay, this is what safe sex is, is you use condoms with everybody, but we don't use it within our relationship. It feels like a little bit of a... Um, Hierarchy? That's an easy kind of rule to put on it, but not necessarily fitting with what all the risk factors are actually present. So before I have any sexual partner um, that is new or, you know, somebody who is not, you know, in a relationship, so like me and Mariah or me and Patrick, right? I don't, you know, talk risk factors with them before we have sex every single time. But anybody else um, and same for them, you know, I go through, okay, when was the last time you were tested? What were all the things that you were tested for? How many people have you been with since the last time you got tested? And what is your normal sexual practice? Like, mm -hmm. it, you know, I might have a friends with benefits, even though it's a loaded term, um, who, hey, they went to a gangbang. More power to you, honey. That is awesome. Tell me all about it. We might have a slightly different, you know, playtime um, mm -hmm. if you have like a much more elevated risk factor. Mm -hmm. And so for us, the way it works is, you know, um, for people who have not, um, had high risk activity, who've only been with one person who they can also, you know, track in the same way that you would think about like COVID risk um, before vaccinations, um, then I might be comfortable having barrierless sex depending on what that risk level is and how many people have I been with since the last time I was tested. I'm on a, a medication prep, so I'm effectively immune from HIV. There's only been like a couple dozen, something along those lines, people who have uh, contracted HIV. And as part of that um, program, I get tested for basically everything on the sun that you can get tested for, except for HSV, um, every three months, right? So it's it provides me a really good testing cadence. So yeah. that makes me feel a lot better personally. And me a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I definitely had um, my ideas of uh, say, like what I considered safe sex uh, have shifted um, since I've been with Patrick. Like I. I thought of like, you know, if you don't have condoms and you're not having safe sex and mm -hmm. really that's not the case. Like if you've both been tested, if you know exactly, and there hasn't been, you know, sex since the last time you were mm -hmm. tested with another person, like you can, and, and both people are on prep and they both get tested regularly. And this is somebody that you trust. Like you bring the risk, you, you bring the risk mitigation like down so low, right. um, where, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? It's it's safer sex. Mm -hmm. Like right. um, even if you're not, sometimes you can have safer sex without a barrier, safer sex with a barrier. Um, so I kind of like had to learn to tweak that 
that mm -hmm. language. Yeah, it really kind of depends. Um, yeah. And I feel like, especially when um, I talk to the folks who are not really in the um, game mail community at all, we don't really interface with that because prep is such a, and that testing protocol is, is very endemic to game mail spaces. Yeah. Uh, it's just all over the place. Um, but when I talk to you know my straight friends, they've never even heard of it. You know, and like, right. you know, what what kind of risk discussion do you have with a one night stand? Again, loaded term, but um, most of my friends, you know, in college or whatnot, they barely have a discussion before. You know, it's just oh, we'll use a condom; it's fine, it's safe. Right. But that's a very. It doesn't really take into account what actual risk is, and yeah, it seems like a very. Um, uh, imperfect way to deal with uh, a very evolving question. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that the one night stand that isn't necessarily somebody that you're going to have. Well, <laughs> a lot of people aren't going to have that full conversation of the risk factors and everything. A lot of times at the one night stand, it's, you know, we're hitting it off at the bar and next thing you know, we're, you know, going back to your place or my place or whatever. And, you know, that's, we just grab the condom and that's how it goes. Uh, but you seem to to uh, believe that there could be more that can be done than just grab the condom. What what else can can we do? Well, well honestly, having that discussion is honest more important than anything. Like in my opinion, more important than the barrier itself. The barrier is a useful tool. It's a tool in the toolbox. But at the end of the day, barriers don't really protect against HSV. They don't protect against um, HPV almost at all. Mm -hmm. Like yeah, a they, little bit. They bring down the risk like as much. Yeah. Um, because unless it's covered by that barrier, it's not really gonna be protecting against it. And so, you know, there are plenty of, depending on what your vaccination protocol is, there's plenty of HPVs that will raise your risk of cervical cancer, raise your risk of you know, oodles and oodles of things that aren't protected. So to me, like well, if you are just having a lot of sex that are using barriers, theoretically, if you aren't covering these other aspects of your risk. If you aren't having that discussion and realizing what your contact points are and how it trails out, I mean, you're opening yourself up for potential other health issues down the line. Um, so honestly, having that discussion, even with a one night stand is to me like basic protocol um, mm -hmm. in, in my sex life, at least. Well, in our only like um, what we consider a relationship agreement, um, that's mm -hmm. like sort of like a rule around um, uh, sexual activity is that we just don't have unbarriered sex with anybody that we just met. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, so first date, no, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. like because people can lie. Like just give it a little bit mm -hmm. of time to build up some trust um, before yeah. you know trusting that they're telling the truth in those conversations because mm -hmm. that's really important mm -hmm. too. Totally um, reasonable. Yeah. Yeah, before this relationship, like I'd never been with anyone who got tested every three months without, like, without exception. Yeah, and she'd like, also never been with a hoe before, so. Too funny, too funny. Yeah, we've talked about yeah. it. <laughs> wait, wait, oh, wait, okay. <laughs> too funny. Uh, you know, I wanted to ask you, we're, we're a little bit over time here, but uh, I wanted to ask you, Patrick, because you were talking about prep. Um, the last time that I spoke with anybody on the show about prep, they were in Canada. So kind mm -hmm. of rules didn't apply the same um, for people who might be learning about it right now, might be interested about it right now. Uh, what has your experience been with it? Um, you know, physically, like, you know, 
side effects or whatever, but also um, insurance wise, like how, how is that covered? Yeah. Um, it's one of those things I get it covered through my insurance. You know, I, I'm a financial guy. Um, I get it covered through work. Um, I have decent insurance. And so mm -hmm. it's a privilege that I have that it gets covered. Um, and I go to a, a pretty gay male centric practice, um, my doctor's office. So like, it's just, they know exactly what they're doing. They know how to get it covered, et cetera. Um, I have plenty of friends who have to go through um, other, uh, you know, specific organizations to be able to get um, that care. Um, my experience with it in terms of my body and what have you is honestly, it's just, it's like a sugar pill that I take every day. Like I don't have any real impact on my body of it. It's just a thing that I take. Uh, <laughs> I have to take other medications anyway. So it's just, yep, let me take my three or four pills every day. So there you go. Pretty easy then. That's good. As long as, as long as people have access to pretty decent insurance or can contact uh, some of those organizations that you were talking about. Um, well, like I said, we are uh, definitely a little bit over time. I really appreciate uh, both of you coming on and hanging out with me here today. Uh, Amari, I want to give you the floor here. Uh, if people wanted to work with you, if people want to get help from you, uh, if they want to contribute to the love cards uh what's the best way for them to get in touch with you and get the help that they need um just going to my website uh amariahlove.com um the love card program has its own little page on there that's easy to find uh i think at the top there just a, it says love card program that you can click on and then there's um a big orange button that says request an appointment um and uh my phone number and my email address are on like the sidebar uh, on my website right now, I am not accepting new clients. Um, I'm actually, uh, I have a bit of a waiting list going. It's not, it's not too long. Um, so I'm still like willing to put folks on the waiting list and hoping, really hoping that like, as I transition back into having more in-person sessions, as that becomes safer and safer and more people are vaccinated, that my capacity can, will go up and I'll be able to like have a higher, more of a caseload. Um, but uh, for the most part, I am, I am sending people to my referral page, which is also on my website. It's samurailove.com slash referrals. I have, a web, I have a list of amazing therapists who are all like poly, LGBTQ, sex positive, queer friendly, all that stuff. Um, and that's on my website as well. Perfect. Well, again, uh, thank you both so much for spending a little bit of time with me. I really appreciate you. Um, and this has been this has been great. Oh, there we go. We got the we got the clap track again. Thanks for having us. We appreciate it. <laughs> All right. And thank you also, as always, to our live audience for tuning in today. As a reminder, when we're live, we get no commercial interruptions, but the same cannot be said for those podcast downloads. So if you want to avoid the commercial interruptions, be sure to catch us live Monday through Wednesday, 2.30 Pacific time. Or sign up for our Patreon where you get access to our commercial-free RSS feed and support the show. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube and wherever it is that you're downloading your podcast. And if you haven't already, please leave us a review. Really going to appreciate that. Thank you both again so much. And for everybody else out there, have a nice day. Thank you for tuning in to the Practicing Polyamory podcast. Would you or someone in your polycule like to be a guest? Sign up at practicingpolyamory.com and join the conversation. Please support us by subscribing, liking, and following us on social media at Practicing Polya by clicking any of the affiliate links on our website or by subscribing at patreon.com.